Thank you, Dan and choir and instrumentalists for our beautiful worship today. We come to our last sermon from Luke's second volume, the Acts, the Epistles. I, I want you to look at that last word there, the very last word of Luke's second volume, unhindered. Paul in prison, in rented quarters, folks coming to him, and he's telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. Look at verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God. Now, as you read Paul's letters or Paul's epistles, you won't see a, a lot about the kingdom of God. We normally see that in the gospels, don't we? I've told you before, but, but I want to say it again because I want you to always be able to answer this question. What did Jesus preach? He preached, repent, the kingdom of God has arrived. Repent, turn around from your sinful ways and receive me, and in receiving me, you receive the kingdom. Well, look how Luke describes, of course, Luke had written the gospel and he knows that language, the kingdom of God, though it's not always words that Paul would choose. That's exactly what Paul's doing in Luke's eyes. Look at verse 31. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning, got them all three, Lord Jesus Christ. With all openness, unhindered. We are each here this morning to be a part of something that is larger than ourselves. One of the greatest fears that any one of us could have as we come to our deathbed and reflect over our lives and all that we have accomplished is a workaday life. We've lived each day for ourselves. We've been a pretty good dad. We've been a loyal employee. Got all the badges and buttons from work. But really, what are we living life for? What is our core passion? What wakes us up every morning? Sometimes we can find ourselves looking back over a life of 40 years of work and we just kind of live for the weekend so we could get back up and go again on Monday morning and our, our priorities were pretty simple and sometimes pretty self-serving. I, I watch at the pet store a, a hamster on the wheel and he runs and he runs and he runs and he runs and, he runs and I, I wonder, does he authentically realize he's going absolutely nowhere? Is he just trying to exercise? I mean, I see you on a treadmill and you go and you go and you go and you go nowhere. Do you realize you're going nowhere? Sometimes we live life, and at the end, we look back, and we're the hamster on the wheel. We're the man on the treadmill. We are exhausted with very little to show for it. People who live like that discover that when they retire, they really don't have anything for which they have been living. 
Their world is broken because their pursuit of small and meaningless dreams has come to an end. No big dreams, no transcendent passion was ever in place for him or her. How would your friends describe, what would your family say this morning if asked, what is her passion? What is his purpose? What wakes him up every morning? What gets him excited? What is at the very heart of all that he is and all that he does? This morning, Luke and Paul challenge us to live in such a way that we are pursuing not small and meaningless dreams, but the biggest dream of all. Dreams that are actually bigger than your family, bigger than your work, bigger than your hobbies, bigger than your kids, and yes, even bigger than your grandkids, for those of you who have them. So you will know, and I will know, when our time comes and we find ourselves on our bed of death, that we have engaged ourselves, our energies, our talents, our monies, our all, and being part of God's grand movement. We've been part of the infiltration of the kingdom of God on earth. The truth of the matter this morning is that when you, you and I are totally committed to Christ, that whatever we do to earn our living is just that. It's our secondary purpose, our secondary passion. Maybe you earn your living as a school teacher. That's a, a wonderful vocation. We need more people committed to that, to love our kids and train our kids and, and serve our kids. But even something as noble as that, first and foremost... You're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ trying to lead others to follow Jesus and to influence this earth with kingdom values and the presence of Jesus. It really doesn't matter what we do by day, does it? Maybe you're a police officer or maybe you're an attorney, a lawyer, or maybe you're a clerk or, or maybe you're a preacher. You get real busy administrating and caring and visiting and praying and funeralizing and even the temptation there to lose the sense of the primary passion is to celebrate and extend the arrival of the kingdom of God. Maybe you're a, a bank teller by day, and I want you to think of it this way. We're all kind of like Superman or Superwoman. We look like we're one thing during the day, but underneath that, there's a, another part of us, the bigger part of us, the core of us, our passion. 
may take people a while to figure it out, but they kind of look and think something's different about him. He spends his time, his energy, his values are different. So, so whatever we do by the day to make our daily bread, the reality is that each one of us who has said yes to the Lordship of Jesus, we too are to be busy announcing the kingdom of God is here. Each of us is to be part of this army, sometimes secret and sometimes out loud, as a case may call for it, marching toward the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ for his church. It is clear to what Paul has devoted his life. He had devoted his life to telling the story of Jesus. And when God gave him the story of Jesus, he knew he had it in an earthen vessel, but man, it was so important to him, and he wanted to be faithful that he told that story of Jesus. In recent years, there have been a lot of religious movements across the globe that have received a lot of attention, and Christianity greatly ignored, and so if you simply turn on your television for very long, you come to the conclusion that Christianity in this world is actually on a decline, and if we don't modernize our beliefs and begin to culturally accommodate our theology, then we're going to lose out in the end. Some would even say now that as the winds of change are blowing across our globe, that Christianity is dead or irrelevant. Well, I've got news for you. Christianity is alive and well. Samuel Huntington said, and I quote, though I don't agree with him, we know that Islam is the religion of the developing world and that the population is rapidly growing across across Africa and Asia. Therefore, I quote, in the long run, Muhammad wins out. In fact, he argues that in 25 years, the world shift will be so major in my children's lifetime that the global worldview will be Islamic and not Christian. Is that so? How is Christianity faring around the world? Well, we left off last week when we had the shipwreck and they all grab a plank and they swim their way to shore and we get bitten by the snake, Paul does, and he preaches Jesus. And then an Alexandrian ship, another grain ship, happened to be secure there on Malta, the island for the winter. And three months pass on that island. What a blessing Paul was to the islanders. They loved him. He helped them all that were sick. They put him on the grain ship, and once again in shackles, Paul goes to Rome. God had said in Acts that just like Paul had preached in Jerusalem, that he likewise would preach in Rome. And he does. He gets there in shackles. He's in prison. Notice verse 30. He's there for two years has to pay for his own rented quarters. He's under house arrest, we would call it. And yet, look at verse 30. He was welcoming all who came. And when they got there, they heard about the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I've always been fascinated with that last word in the Acts of the Apostles. It struck me one day when I was reading this book that that's the way God would have the gospel preached with full openness, unhindered. Unhindered. We look at poor Paul in prison. We know he's suffered much to get there. You remember back in Acts chapter 9 that God said to Paul, I will show you how much you must suffer for the sake of my kingdom. Paul, earlier in our book at the beginning, he was the chief enemy of Christianity. He had papers from the high priest. He was on his way to Damascus to arrest followers of the way, what Christians are called, followers of the way. And while he's on his way to arrest the followers of the way, he interacts with the way as he sees the bright light. And Jesus asks him, as he persecutes the church, why are you persecuting me? Some just hear thunder. Some just see a bright light. But Paul saw the light and heard the voice, the thunderous voice of God. Who are you, Lord? I will show you how much you're going to suffer, not to stop the way, but to lead the way. Look at 2 Corinthians 11. Listen to what Paul went through in his life. Are they servants of Christ? I more so. I in far more labors and far more imprisonments. In fact, as you, as you look at 2 Corinthians 11, it is a summary beginning in verse 23 of the Acts of the Apostles. All these things that happened to Paul, those are the things we've seen as we've gone through Acts. Beaten times without number. We've seen Paul beaten, haven't we? Often in danger of death. Five times I received 39 lashes. That happened to Jesus how many times? One time. To Paul, five times. 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. We saw him beaten with rods in Macedonia, didn't we? Once I was stoned, we saw him stoned and left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. We did one of those last week. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and in dangers from rivers and dangers from robbers and dangers from my countrymen and dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city and dangers in the wilderness and dangers on the sea and dangers from the false teachers. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty, often without food. I've frozen. I've been exposed. And apart from all these things, there's the daily pressure on me to take care of all these churches that I've started. Who is weak without my being weak? And who is led into sin without me being concerned? He basically summarized Acts, didn't Paul? He tells us about all of his suffering. While the messenger suffers, the message is unhindered. What's exciting today is we are part of a new global Christianity. There are more Christians alive on planet earth today than there have ever been in the history of the movement. It's shifting. Europe used to be the center then America became the center, and now it's shifted. That's not necessarily a bad thing. We didn't do so well with it, did we? Now, 
It's Africa. It's Asia. It's a southern shift, really, where the gospel started in the first place. We had this idea that we are the center of it all. In reality, we aren't anymore as this shift takes place. Africa and Asia and Latin America, sort of a southern eastern shift in a few decades, Kinshasa and Buenos Aires and Addis Ababa and Manila, they will replace the words like Rome and Athens and Paris and London and New York. The reality is in North America, we're not even replacing ourselves with birth rates. I I read this week that right now, American birth rates are at a 30-year low. And we know the Europeans aren't replacing themselves with birth rates. But in Africa and in Asia, where it's six or seven children to a family, The world's population is growing there in this global south. And as those countries are populated with so many faces, so is Christianity right along with it. What we do at First Baptist Church is so important. And God has always used this church in a powerful and a disproportionate way to our resources. Even this year... You have gone this year to Phoenix and Boston and Hungary, Hungary twice and South Africa. And this week we have a a group of medical professionals going to the Dominican Republic. We've got to keep doing our part. But we are part of a much bigger movement of an unhindered arrival of the kingdom of God. Christianity is no longer first and foremost a Western phenomenon. It's not just about Europe and America anymore. Christianity has moved. It's on six continents. In the Philippines right now, Christianity is the dominant major religion. And folks thought that would never, ever be. We are part of a a global faith and not a, a Western faith. There are more people alive today who would say Jesus is Lord than have ever been alive before. In fact, church growth expert Jason Mandrick says that evangelical Christianity, the kind that preaches repentance and the gospel, is the fastest growing religion in the world. It is three times faster than the next fastest growing religion, which is Islam. In fact, you can say with certainty today that Western Christians, that would be European and American Christians, now constitute a factual minority of the church. There was one point in history where 70% of the world's Christians lived in Europe alone. Now that's 20%. We've gone from 70% of those who would say Jesus Lord living in Europe alone, and now just 20% of us live in Europe who would say that. For many folks who see this explosive growth in Africa and Asia, they would say the Word of God here is absolutely unhindered. 
is shocking today, but today the other nations of the world send out as many missionaries as the Western church does. So we talk about missions and we send missionaries, but the reality is China is sending missionaries out. We're sending missionaries to China, but the Chinese are sending missionaries out to the world. We send missionaries most summers to Brazil. The Brazilians are sending out missionaries of their own. In fact, the most efficient mission-sending country is Mongolia. For every 222 believers, one of them becomes a missionary in Mongolia. It'd be like three or four times that in America. They gather up 222 Christians, they, the 223rd is going on the mission field. They're serious about it. Sometimes we, we think that it all depends upon us, and the reality is it all depends upon God. There's this movement in China called the Back to Jerusalem movement. It's emerging in China. It's a, a vision of Chinese house churches to send 100,000 bivocational missionaries into the nations that are lying south and west of them, kind of retracing the silk roots to Jerusalem. From the Great Wall of China all the way back to Jerusalem is where the untouched people groups, the folks who do not know the gospel live, and the Chinese are taking that route with their missionaries. In fact, 90% of the people who are untouched with Jesus live along that trail, and the Chinese are going to travel that trail. When it comes to missions, nothing would make me happier than for the Chinese to win because we're on the same team. If they can reach those folks with the hope of the gospel of Jesus, let's help them. The biggest and fastest churches, in fact, the only churches in Europe, there's, there are some big, huge, mega churches in Europe. The five largest churches in Europe are African. In Europe, the five largest churches in Europe are not filled with Europeans. They're filled with African believers. So ominous is this tone and this switch that Pastor Oscar Mariu, senior pastor of the Nairobi Chapel in Kenya, said to his congregation, America is the third largest mission field and the third most pagan country on earth. He's going to send folks to help us. Because we're not doing so well ourselves. Africa sends out missionaries to China and Japan as far south and west as Brazil and Bolivia. Outside of America, Korea is number two in sending missionaries now. But here's, here's the difference. The size of the American mission force grows about 12% a year. The Korean mission force grows by 210% a year. Every year they double the number of people they send out as missionaries. The number of Korean missionaries today stands at 20,000 serving in 168 different countries. Christianity is, is moving away from us to the southern hemisphere 
And sometime after 1980, and no one really noticed, Christians from the Southern Hemisphere now outnumbered the Northern Christians, outnumbered us for the first time since the 10th century. It's going back from whence it was born. If if I just say the word Christian, historically, you could have pictured a European man of medium means. And now when I say the word Christian, you ought to picture a woman living in the village of Nigeria or a woman in Brazilian slum. That's who we are now, and that's a good thing. In those communities where they don't have assurance of their daily bread. They read the story, Father, give us today our daily bread. And we read that quickly, the Lord's Prayer, and it means nothing to us. But if you don't know where your bread's coming from tomorrow, it's a gospel you hold on to. Let me give you some specific examples of what's happening. There's a missionary in China named John Gates. He's focusing on mobilizing the Chinese to go into Pakistan. The Pakistanis love the Chinese. They want to learn their language for business purposes. And he's sending Chinese and Westerners, Americans over there. They go into the Himalayas where Islamic faith has not yet infiltrated nor in control. And they teach English and music and, yes, even martial arts. And, well, the Chinese are telling the Pakistanis about about Jesus. Then there's Peter Yang who lives in South Korea. He grew up hating the North Koreans, but God has put a love for them on his heart. He has several soy milk machines. He feeds 30,000 children in North Korea milk every day through his soy machines. And now he's opened up 17 one-hour photos so he can travel in and out of North Korea for business purposes. And he takes Westerners with him as he goes, and they carry... They bootleg Jesus when they cross the border. Supermen and women with a hidden shirt beneath. So what about you? Have you had a global vision? Have you patterned your heart after the Great Commission? Or, or, or have you and I bought into the workaday Western world where what we really worship is material things and soccer weekends and that's what we've deluded it to? Have we lost the passion that we now see in our sisters and brothers in Korea and China and Africa? God's going to move across this globe with or without us. The question is, will we be a part? The question is, will you be a part? When you awaken every morning, is the kingdom of God your passion? And everything else secondary to your living as his disciple, looking for the opportunity to tell somebody else, you know, God loves you. You know, there's forgiveness for you. 
I know about the passion in Africa, in Asia, and more secretly in China. But what about us in Amarillo? I hope so. I hope so. Be a part of this mission-loving church that casts the vision according to the Great Commission to work way beyond the borders of Amarillo so that the last word in Acts is indeed the last word. May the gospel always be unhindered. Let us pray. Oh God, even this week we got folks leaving us and going to the DR, giving up their vacation, spending their resources representing you and representing us and Father, help every one of us awaken to realize that we're on the mission field. Even in America, even in Texas, even in Amarillo, the winds of culture are blowing for change. And the gospel must be heard. It must be preached unhindered. Well, God, maybe there's someone here this morning who would come and say, this is my day to say yes, as Paul says, the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe there's someone else who would say, I want to be a part of the, a church whose heartbeat is a great commission. In the name of Jesus, we pray.